I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. I've lost my mind on what I find All of the pressure that left behind on Allison Road Fools in the rain, if the sun gets through stop a song like that well you stop a song like that and you tell a story about the beginning of things so let's do that right now in 1989 i visited my great aunt in tempe arizona she was 93 which was great because that meant we ate dinner at 3:30, and she was in bed by five you know because she was old so what does a college student do on a hot summer night in arizona with all that time on his hands well he goes out and out i went I went downtown to find some live music, and I ran into a Tempe band playing a club. They were called the Gin Blossoms, and they were fantastic. They had an undeniable pop jangle and a boozy ramshackle edge. Their sound fell somewhere between R.E.M.'s Reckoning and the Replacements Pleased to Meet Me, and I just loved them. I came back to California talking nonstop about the Gin Blossoms. By this time next year, they're going to be huge, I told all my friends. Well... I was right about the being huge part, but I was wrong on the timing. Like, really wrong. The band didn't start crushing it commercially until their 1992 sophomore album, New Miserable Experience, hit the charts in 1993. That's right, it took a year for that record to connect. It originally came out on A&M in summer of 92, but it was repackaged and re-released a year later, and then it took off. Thanks to huge singles like Hey Jealousy, Found Out About You, and Until I Fall Away, the record went multi-platinum, the band toured with Cracker, the Spin Doctors, and the Counting Crows, and just like that, the Gin Blossoms were one of the biggest bands of the young decade. Now, in between New Miserable Experience and their 1996 follow-up, Congratulations, I'm Sorry, they fired founding member, guitarist, and songwriter Doug Hopkins. That's a topic which is so dark and so complicated... I think that topic alone deserves its own podcast, and we will do that here. But for now, just Google it. You'll see what I mean. 
Congratulations, I'm Sorry had huge singles like Follow You Down and As Long As It Matters, and its platinum status kept the Gin Blossoms winning streak very much alive. And for good reason. It's a great album. The Gin Blossoms got nominated for a Grammy, they played Letterman, SNL, and Leno, and they appeared in Wayne's World 2. So all was well. Or was it? Not really. The band broke up in 1997, and the members joined other bands and got on with it musically with other people. So, for all intents and purposes, that seemed to be the end of the Gin Blossoms. But they rose again. They got back together in 2002, and they've been at it ever since. In fact, the second act of their fabulous career has found the band more prolific than ever. They've put out three fantastic new albums, 2006's Major Lodge Victory, 2010's No Chocolate Cake, and 2018's Mixed Reality, which was helmed by Mitch Easter and Don Dixon. Look, I love the Gin Blossoms, and I'm happy to report they remain a vital touring band. They even played to U.S. troops in Iraq in 2010, and singer Robin Wilson sings part-time for the Smithereens. So, life is busy, and life is good. I've been wanting to chat with Robin Wilson for some time, and it was finally cool to have this conversation. So I'm happy to share it with you. This is me and Robin Wilson just talking about stuff. Enjoy it right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm more creative, but I'm, I'm very active and I'm very, I'm in a place where I'm very satisfied with my career uh, in a way that you, you can never foresee when you're in your twenties or thirties, you can't imagine, Oh, my career is going to peak about, you know, 2019. Uh, but that seems to be what's happening. You know, Our, uh, the gym blossoms are doing great. We have uh, new music that we like playing. Um, I'm, I'm singing for one of my favorite bands, the Smithereens. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm in a cool place. I just built a home recording studio for my son and I, and I'm, I'm really enjoying being a rock singer here in the future. <laughs> what in, in terms of the way that you're writing and what you're writing about, what, what's changed? Because I know like, you know, like when we're younger, it's sort of like cars and girls. I mean, I'm generalizing, but, but what are the themes that you think you're exploring now in the songs that you're writing? Well, uh, I don't really overthink things like that. I just write what comes naturally to me. And, uh, uh, in answer to your question, like one of the songs that I wrote for our latest record is called break. And, um, it's a song about overcoming adversity and finding yourself. And it's really my mission statement as a father. And that's something I wouldn't have conceived of writing, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. But um, aside from that, most of my lyrical themes I've noticed have a, a sadness to them. There's a plaintive quality to the lyrics I write. And um, yeah, I've been recently I had to write out a bunch of my lyrics because we, as a band, we sold on our website the, um, the option to 
choose a song and then have the guy who wrote it hand write out the lyrics and we're selling this on our website and uh i wasn't really thrilled about it at first because it felt a little bit like just a money grab and just another way to get money out of our fans but um you know these are obviously people that are really touched by these songs and so i had a list of my tunes that i had to write out all the lyrics for and i've been doing that over the last few days and you know again i've reconnected with some of those songs and realized i i write i tend to write things a little bit sad you know but um that's never really changed i think that's something i've always kind of been shooting for and it's not all i do but it it is uh, pervasive uh, throughout my career so did that kind of surprise you or have you always known that i've always known that you know i I I, t- I tend to uh, I don't really like singing super corny songs, so um, you know it's it's kind of always been an objective of mine to for there to be sort of a, a dark quality to the lyrical messages, and um, I don't know it's just it's always been there. But like I said, it's it's not the only thing I do, but uh, it is re- kind of common. It's funny because when I was in high school and I listened to Reckoning four billion times, my favorite song was Camera, which was you know heartbreaking. But now that I'm now that I'm the age I am, it's it's something a little more upbeat. Maybe it's Pretty Persuasion. So I find that I was attracted to the sad stuff uh, and the tragic stuff when I was younger. Um, sure, typical you know. emo teen. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so to be still occupying the sad space is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we never right. got out of it. Right. I remember there was an episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bart and Lisa go to Lollapalooza and uh, the Smashing Pumpkins are on stage and uh, and uh, Bart looks around and all the kids are all depressed and, and he says something like, well, making teenagers depressed is like shooting fish in a barrel, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah. Were you ever a Smiths fan? Yeah, you bet. In fact, just recently, I, uh, I over the last year or so, I've been listening to Johnny Marr's solo records. Uh, the, I think they're a couple of the best albums that have been released in the last decade. And I went to see him in concert last fall. It was the first concert that I actually bought tickets for in, since 2010. And um, I was totally blown away. Johnny Marr is just amazing. And uh, I, I recently put a Johnny Marr, it says uh, Johnny fucking Marr uh, bumper sticker on my, uh, on my car just to proclaim my, uh, my allegiance, you know. What age did you start listening to the Smiths? I think I got more into the Smiths when I was like in my 20s and 30s than I really was um, you know, like uh, when they were current, I sort of came back to the Smiths a little bit uh, in the 90s, really. Um, but um, I was working at record stores all through the 80s, so the Smiths were pervasive. You know, it was part of the soundtrack of the times. And uh, they were certainly one of the more important and influential bands uh, to my entire generation of musicians. There's a bunch of bands, like I was talking to Ed from Live, and he told me that he just got into the Velvet Underground, and he had never actually heard them before. Um, and there there are some bands we come to late. Sure. Yeah, you know, I uh, 
I didn't start listening to the Stones until I was, you know, like 21. Um, I, I didn't get into Boston until I was in my 40s. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that it's common. I mean, you can't, you can't know everything. You can't listen to everything. And, the, you know, you tend to go through phases. You know, I went through a metal phase and a country phase. And, uh, you know, eventually you, you come back to those things and you discover new things. So uh, I'm fortunate in my life. I, my younger brother, Lance, is uh, really into music. He's been to more concerts than anybody I know. And um, like a couple of times a year, we'll exchange new bands that we want each other to listen to. We'll go out on my boat and he's the one that played Johnny Marr for me like uh, about two years ago or a year and a half ago. And he played the Johnny Marr records and uh, totally got into that. And then every once in a while, I'll play something for him like the, the Stripes or uh, My Chemical Romance and, you know, sh share some of my favorite things with him. So uh, it's it's good to have somebody in your life that you can pretty much trust implicitly when it comes to that sort of recommendation. Another band he, my brother, recommended was a, a metal band called Bullbeat that he saw open for Metallica. And so I, I got into them, too. So, What has your son turned you on to? Oh, not much, really. I mean, he tries to get me to watch these stupid YouTube videos. And, you know, uh, he'll, every once in a while, he'll want to play me, you know, like cover songs. You know, people, people on YouTube who are just doing covers, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really not that interested in watching some, you know, some guy's YouTube channel or whatever. Um, so it mostly goes one direction, you know, where I'm, I'm feeding him stuff, you know, Gray, you should really listen to Rush. Uh, Gray, you got to hear this Johnny Marr record, you know, and then, uh, or, you know, he's, he's really gotten into the smithereens in recent years. And, um, he was going to do an open mic night at the coffee shop several months ago and, I said, yeah, what are you going to play? And he goes, I think I'm going to play some Tommy Keane. And I was like, holy crap. You know, <laughs> wow. this, is, this is awesome. Chip off the old block. You know? <laughs> yeah, the um, it's funny with those Smithereens records. I mean, they they exist out of time. Like They just, to me, they still sound as terrific as ever. They sure do. It's such an incredible body of work, you know, and uh, getting to sing a whole set of that music with them is is hugely satisfying for me and it really does show the consistency of their songwriting uh, throughout the arc of their career it's it's an incredible body of work and you know i with jim blossoms i can't help but feel that some of our songs are way better than others um you know and the the the, the quality of the songwriting can sort of dip and rise uh, in general, I think we're pretty good, but you know, there's some songs that I just don't really love as much as others. Uh, but with the Smithereens, every single song in the set is as good as every other song. It's a it's an incredibly consistent body of work, and um, it's a thrill for me to be a part of that band now. I mean, aside from it being an honor and a really cool thing to do, what has singing for the Smithereens given you? 
definitely it gives me a, a, another perspective, you know, because, uh, you know, I've always looked up to the smithereens and, you know, now I have to see that, you know, Jim Lawson's pretty much had you know, a, have had a career at least equal to that, you know, so that's refreshed my sense of our importance and accomplishments. And, um, you know, it's also, you know, like the smithereens, it's, it's more of a low budget operation. So I've been able to go to my bandmates in the gym blossoms and say, guys, we really got it good. You know, we get all this food backstage and there's a bottle of bourbon uh, back there. And the smithereens, you know, work on a, on a smaller budget. And, you know, I have to go to, I have to go to sound checks with the smithereens which is something I'd pay someone to do in the gym lessons, you know? So gym lessons do really well commercially in terms of, you know, like what we get paid and the kind of shows we do. Uh, the smithereens operate on a, a similar level, but not, not quite at the same uh, level of uh, income and uh, draw. So uh, it's, it's, given me the opportunity to go back to my bandmates and express to them uh, how grateful I am for what the Jim Blossoms have in our career and um, enter my memo that you know they should also equally be grateful Seems so long fight madness on the brink bite your tongue but the blood's not all you'll drink not like your mind Sing like the falling sun And these tears Are the cost of all I've done And I can't wake your frozen heart With an ocean in between us You can't only so far
you say in the last 25 years are you an easier guy to work with are you more mellow are you more intense what about you is different than say from 1989 1990 well i you know keeping a band together for 30 years requires a, a great deal of compromise uh, it, it very, very much like a, a marriage you know you have to pick and choose your battles and you have to know when it's time to let someone else pick out the furniture and that type of thing. So just controlling my urge and my desire to, to control everything, you know, uh, is, is key to, uh, to keeping the band together and not pissing off my bandmates. And if you were, if you were talking to one of them, they'd tell you that I always get my way and that I'm a control freak, (laughs) but I, I know that I'm in a almost constant state of compromise and it's really not that difficult. It's not as difficult as it used to be. So that's one thing about it that, you know, about myself that's changed, you know, is because I've, I've had to get used to the idea that keeping the band together requires a great deal of compromise and um, nobody in our group and Jim Blossoms gets more than one vote. And, um, you know, so every everybody's got equal say, and um, you know, it, it, like I say, I, sometimes I look at other bands where it's just one guy who runs the whole band, and I look at that and I go, "Wow, that would be so great if I could just decide everything," you know. But there's something about the give and take that makes Jim Lawson's what it is, and we we have something of value. We've created something cool. You know, I'm, I don't think we're headed for the rock and roll hall of fame, but we were a part of the big story and, uh, we got to, we got to create a lot of music to touch people. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty grateful for all of that. And, um, I'm high, you know, I always say we're the Jim Blossoms are a mid-level band. But we're sort of at the top of the middle, and um, it feels good, you know. When we're younger, it's we're very headstrong. So it was when you were younger, it was harder to control the temptation to want to control everything. Yeah, you bet. You know, and you know, Jim Blossoms broke up uh, for five years back uh, '97 through 2002, and um, you know, I went off and tried to do my own thing. I I had a band called Gas Giants, right. And um, I had a side project called the Pop and Wheelies. And, you know, I got to sort of uh, control most of what was going on with those groups. And um, it was it was hard because neither of them really succeeded. (laughs) And um, I had to when the Jim Blossoms reformed, I had to really sort of temper those instincts to uh, kind of control everything. But that being said, you know, I have plenty, like my bandmates would tell you, I, I get my way plenty of times. I, I have an outlet to express myself and um, I'm generally pretty happy.
happy to be the singer of the Jim Lawson. No. Are you a fairly patient guy? Well, uh, I don't think so. You know, like I, I hate waiting for the check at restaurants. I always ask for the check while I'm about halfway through my meal <laughs> because uh, I can't, I cannot stand uh, being done with my meal and then sitting there for another five minutes waiting for the check, you know? So there's certain things, uh, you know, like I hate being stuck in traffic, you know, but you know, when it comes to the band, I'm able to sort of disconnect from, you know, that emotion and just sort of accept this is the way it is. I've got to sit around for a while. It's going to take a half an hour to get to the gig and then another half hour to get back to the hotel. And, you know, it's just it's part of the work. And um, so it depends upon which aspect of my life, whether or not I'm able to apply patience. Was was there the Confederacy of Bands in Arizona, whether it was, you know, like the refreshments or Dead Hot Workshop, like, was there really, I don't know if I've I've sort of romanticized it, Rob, but I imagine you guys are all pals and kind of looked out for each other. Is that not true? Or or was there a real Confederacy? Sure there was, you know, and, um, you know, I've always looked at uh, most of the other other bands in, in Arizona from our generation, you know, as brothers in arms. In fact, it's interesting you mentioned Dead Hot Workshop and uh, the refreshments um, because coming up in July, uh, there's going to be an induction ceremony to the Arizona Entertainment Hall of Fame, and we are inducting Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, the Pistoleros, and Dead Hot Workshop. And um, I'm going to be actually personally inducting Dead Hot Workshop. And so for the last few days, I've started to think about, uh, you know, what I'm going to say and um, how to how to briefly tell the story that, uh, you know, that I want to tell. And uh, specifically, the the term brothers in arms uh, will be a part of that induction speech. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about about Dead Hot and Roger Klein and the Pistoleros all being inducted. And also being inducted at the same time as the, the nightclub we all played at of Long Walks in, in Tempe is also being inducted. And Fender Musical Instruments is being inducted as well. So it's, this is definitely like a group of inductees that were all flourishing together. And, you know, we were a part of a movement. Uh, you know, that that was that helped define our community and uh, we were doing something really special. And, you know, I can look back and I remember taking out on tour with us in, you know, 96, having Dead Hot Workshop and the refreshments on tour with Jim Blossoms. And, you know, remembering that, that it, was, it was really important to me to try and create opportunity uh, for the others in my in our musical community. And um it's such a great validation that they're all being inducted this year, and I'm really proud that I'm going to be a part of the ceremony. Well, for this San Francisco kid, when I heard Klein saying, we can all wear ripped-up clothes and pretend that we're in Dead Hot Workshop, I never knew what he was talking about. What did he mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> well dead, dead Hot, you know, they were, they were a gr- you know, sort of grungy-looking alternative band, you know, and... Um, you know, another line Roger had in one of his songs is, I was never cool enough to work in record stores. And I always thought that was funny because I, I always worked in record stores. And so apparently 
you know, I was cool enough. Uh, I'm sorry you weren't, Roger. You know, but um, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a great time for music in Arizona, and I know there's still great stuff happening there, but you know, it's not as centralized. You know, we had we had a music scene. Uh, you know, was centered around Mill Avenue and um, right near the university. And it was, it was compact and it was functional and it was really prolific, you know, and the more bands there are playing, the more bands that form, you know, because people in the community, they're seeing all this exciting stuff happen. They want to be a part of it. And so more and more groups were forming all the time. And uh, there was a point in the nineties where we had, six bands from Tempe, Arizona with major label recording contracts, you know, and that was, that was really exciting to see that happen. And, uh, aside from us, the, you know, the peacemakers, uh, or the, at the time the, they were known as the refreshments, the, the, they were like, they came really close. They almost had a gold record. You know, they had, a, they definitely had a top 40 single. I had dead hot, never really achieved uh, much commercial success. But that, you know, that was almost by design, you know, because they're, they were pretty intense and they, they weren't interested necessarily in like uh, succeeding commercially. They were, they were much, it was more about the art. And um, anyway, it was, a, it was a great time for, for Arizona music and it's going to be a fun, uh, fun induction ceremony on, on July second in Tempe. Uh, were the Sidewinders part of that scene or no? Well, a little bit. You know, they were they were from Tucson, which was 100 miles away. So Tucson had its own music scene. But we did interact with those bands. You know, we did shows with them in Tucson. And then we brought them up to Tempe. And uh, we did shows with the Sidewinders there. So, you know, they were, they were definitely a part of that whole story as well they were one of the more more important uh groups of of that generation and they were the first one one of us to actually have like a major label deal RCA. and be out on tour yeah so uh they they've already been inducted to the arizona entertainment hall of fame so you know when i heard that dead hot pistoleros and uh and Roger Klein were being inducted. My first thought was, wait a minute, are the Sidewinders already in? You know, because right. they, they need to get in. Uh, they need that as well. So uh, anyway, super well, proud of uh, all my comrades. Yeah, that's that's really that's really cool. And I like that the comradeship was was a real thing. It it certainly was. It was a lot of nepotism and uh, uh, you know a lot of cooperation and you know a lot of common DNA. And uh, that flows through all of these bands. So, yeah. well, it's it's hard to maintain friendships, but but it seems like it's even harder to maintain friendships in the music industry. And it sounds like you you have the same friends you've had for thirty years. Well, you know, I don't get to spend as much time with those guys, you know. But uh, you know, like Brian Brian Griffith of Dead Hot Workshop, he was the original bass player. He was one of my closest friends in those days, and he was also in my band, Gas Giants. But, you know, we eventually we just, you know, we sort of hit a wall. And, um, you know, I haven't really spent any time with Brian since the Gas Giants broke up. But, 
I, you know, I'm going to be inducting him into the Hall of Fame sometime soon. And so I've been thinking about how to explain that aspect of my relationship with him, you know, and he's definitely one of the more important friendships I've ever had in my life. But, you know, we just kind of got to a point where it, it just wasn't healthy to be around him. <laughs> that right. much. But, but bless his heart. And I, I'm, I'm really proud. I'll be inducting him and, and the other guys. So, well, I'm not saying that you guys are the fall, but the Jim Blossoms have had a lot of members. I don't think I realized it till I looked at it on paper. Yeah, well, some of that's not true. Like, if you go on Wikipedia, there's names in there of people that were never really in the band or maybe only did one one or two shows with us. Um, you know, we've gone through a lot of a, a handful of drummers, but, you know, in my mind, I mean, we've had like five drummers, you know, and, but there's a few more than that on Wikipedia, but it's it's really only like five. And, um, and, and the core of the group... Uh, Myself, Jesse, Scott, Bill, we've been together, you know, for for 30 years now, you know. I mean, Scott joined in, in 92, but, uh, you know, that's still a long goddamn time, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, I when people say, are you, is you, are you guys all original members? I'm like, well, four of, four of the five of us are. And, you know, our current drummer, Scott Hessel, he's from our music scene in Arizona, and he's a part of the same generation and wave of bands that we came up with. So it's very much like having an original member in the band. And um, he's fantastic. And I love, I love playing with him. Now the Jim Blossoms have been around for a really long time. So you must be very proud of your legacy and you must be very happy that you have one. Sure. You know, uh, it's great to have a legacy, you know, and again, to, to be here in the future and to be able to look back, and realize that we we really did it, you know. We we kept the band together. We wrote hit songs. We touched people. We've been, you know, we took our music and all over the world. And you know, I can I'll be doing a show, and I'm you know three thousand miles from Arizona, and there's fifty people out in the audience singing my lyrics back to me, you know. And I can remember the moment where I wrote that in my dingy bedroom or whatever. And here we are in the future and there's people singing this stuff back to me. It's it's incredibly meaningful, you know. And um, I'm very proud, you know. Before I let you go, are you still in touch with Marshall Crenshaw? Yeah, from time to time. He's also doing shows with the Smithereens. Right. So he's he's singing lead uh, with them as well. And uh, the last time I, I mean, we don't see him too often, but once or twice a year, we'll bump into him. And uh, you know, I've never really known him that well. I've never been uh, been able to interact with him much more than just a you know few times here or there at shows. But uh, you know, again, if you could, if I could go back in time and tell my twenty year old self, one day in the future. You're going to be making you're going to you're going to be in a band that has hit songs. You're going to write hit songs. You're going to record with Don Dixon and Mitch Easter. You're going to you're going to co-write a hit song with Marshall Crenshaw. You're going to sing in the Smithereens. It's, it's, there's just no way you could convince a 20 year old that all of that was going to come to pass. So uh, you know, again, being able to look back on the entirety of our career is very very satisfying. 
Well, keep at it, Robin. I'm a huge fan of the new record. I think I think it's your best, frankly. I think the, the Dixon record is my favorite right now. Great, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really proud of it, and it's uh, you know the the new material is going over really well in the set. It holds up with all of our classics, and uh, I'm I'm super proud of it, and I want to I want to keep making records. People don't buy records anymore, but uh, I want to keep making them. Don't keep that guy waiting for the check, and everything will be okay. Robin Wilson, nice guy. Happy to uh, have finally chatted with him. Uh, all things Gin Blossoms can be found at ginblossoms.net. All things Alex Green can be found at alexgreenonline.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. Or follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. Or just email me, for God's sakes, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Now, you can subscribe to the podcast in all the places that you get your podcasts. I don't know what you like. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Last.fm, Spotify, MySpace. I don't know. Does MySpace have anything anymore? I have no idea. But all the other places you can subscribe to Stereo Embers, the podcast, please do so. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a rating, a comment or two. You know how it works. It's Yelp Nation. These things matter. All right, let's close things off with another new song from the Gin Blossoms. This is Miranda Chicago. She sounds like trouble. All right, enjoy it, and I'll see you next week right here for another episode of Stereo Embers, the podcast heard exclusively right here on Bombshell Radio. Did we miss each other somewhere along? Was I there for you at all? Don't wanna regret or exaggerate. Have I been enough for you? You left a shed of skin. Start your world up again.